Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On our game day edition this week, my guest is the senior editor from the Wolverine.com, Chris Ballas. On Thursday's Visitors Edition, we'll be joined by the longtime voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones. So it is a busy week as we get ready for the Big Ten opener, and I hope you'll join us for both shows. A reminder that our free show app is available from Google Play and the iTunes stores. As of last week, you can also tune us in on iHeartRadio. My phone lines are open for your calls 24-7 at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or you can email your thoughts and suggestions to the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. Before we get to Chris Ballas, my view from Section 17 to get us rolling this week. Saturday's game didn't start the way we thought it would, but this Michigan team showed grit and determination in overcoming early mistakes and pulling away for a nice victory. Wilton Spate took a nasty blindside hit early in the game, and although we didn't know it at the time, he wasn't pain the rest of the day. On the sack, he took a helmet shot to the elbow on his throwing arm and hit hard on his shoulder. Jim Harbaugh said at his presser on Monday that Wilton didn't complain or even act like he was hurt. He collected himself and finished the game, which impressed his coach. Jim said Wilton showed toughness and leadership staying in the game, and that goes a long way with his teammates, too. It wasn't one of his better games on that, we can agree, but it was another day to gain experience against pretty good competition. Then there was Jabril Peppers, who was everywhere and did everything, and we'll save that for our conversation with Chris Ballas, which is coming up in just a minute. It's early in the week, so we don't have a full injury report yet. Jim said yesterday he's hoping Jordan Lewis will be ready to go this week. He also thinks Taco Charlton could be ready to play. I will update the injuries on Thursday's show. All in all, it appears we're in pretty good shape uh, for this week. I think Colorado was a a better test than most people thought they would be. Uh, Sefo Lufau is the real deal at quarterback, and the Buffs had some big, fast wideouts that challenged our secondary as we saw all too well. Again, it wasn't perfect, but it was a win. 
Uh, it still appears to me that we are going to have to lean on that defense as the offense finds itself. And I know it even seems odd to say that about an offense that's averaging almost 50 points per game, but we know it's still a work in progress. Wilton is settling in, and the offensive line is still struggling at times. It is a great luxury to have the defense we have so that the offense can take that time to hit its stride. We'll find out soon enough. The debut of the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about is almost here. In October, it will be in the iTunes and Google Play stores. It is designed by the team that brought us Madden Football and EA Sports College Basketball. You have never seen anything like it, an app that lets you interact with your favorite team while they are playing. For more info, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave a cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget to leave your cell number. This app will take interactive gaming to a new level. Chris Ballas thinks Colorado was a very good test and featured maybe the best quarterback we'll see this year. He still thinks there's plenty of work to do, of course, for this Michigan team, but overall, fans have to be happy with what they've seen. He joins me next on our game day edition here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Joining us on our game day segment as we wrap up Colorado and look ahead to the Big Ten opener with Penn State this week, senior editor at TheWolverine.com, Chris Ballas. Great to have you back with us, Chris. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, looking back at Saturday, Chris, uh, Jabril Peppers finally takes one to the house, and he was absolutely everywhere on Saturday. This kid is such a force to be reckoned with, isn't he? Yeah, National Player of the Week, according to Walter Camp, and uh, I think he leads the nation now in tackles for loss per game at 3.5. So I think that position switch is working out pretty well, moving him to linebacker where he can be can be that force. And you could tell after that kick, that low-line drive, that he was going to have some room to move there. It was only a matter of time before he took one back. He did like two or three before that had been called back by blocks in the back. I don't know if one of them was a touchdown, but uh, – but this one, uh, he said he was stumbling at the five-yard line. He said there was no way he was going to fall before he got there. It had been a long time coming. But dynamic player. And, frankly, uh, it's almost a bit concerning that they're relying so much on him to, to help carry this team. You want a few other guys to step up as well at different positions. But when you got him, you use him. And I think they're doing everything they can to make sure that he impacts the game in every way possible. And he certainly does that. Uh, Wilton Spate uh, wasn't real sharp in the first quarter, and maybe he was dinged up after taking uh, that blindside sack early, but he settled in for another overall pretty solid performance for the uh, last three quarters, Chris, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and uh, part of it, you know, you wonder if that sack was on him. You've got the corner blitz coming from the top, and maybe it's on the quarterback where he has to pick up that one guy that's not accounted for and just didn't see him or maybe didn't see him cheating up at the snap, but uh, a huge hit, and one thing, if you talk to quarterbacks, they will always say, you know, if I get hit, 
like that early in the game, then boy, it's kind of always in the back of your mind. And it took him a couple of, uh, about a quarter and a half to settle in, but I really thought he moved well on the pocket and started feeling the pocket a little bit better in the second half. I think it was pretty clear that when he made some things happen with his feet, he scrambled a little bit away from pressure a couple of times, found Grant Perry for a big play. I thought they made some great play calls for him on the short screens. Amara Darbo took it to the house right before the end of the half, uh, a huge play to give Michigan the lead, and then another one to Ty Isaac for a big first down, so to kind of combat that pressure because Colorado was certainly bringing it. So uh, I think he's still got plenty to prove, though. You know, he's got that – doesn't have the huge arms, so some of those throws out in the flats, you know, you wonder a team with great athletes like at Ohio State, uh, you saw Colorado's defensive backs, and these guys are good players now, um, get their hands on balls in the flat where – could have gotten one and maybe taken it to the house, one in the end zone as well. You wonder if better athletes are going to be able to make jumps and plays like that. So need to see more of Wilton before you can confidently say, okay, this is a guy who's capable of winning a Big Ten championship. But through three games, that's what we've got to remember. This kid's only started three games in his career. I think overall he's done a pretty darn good job. Yeah, I think we'd have to agree with that. You know, last week, Chris, uh, Kyle Kalis uh, told Michigan fans, hey, relax, uh, the offensive line was okay. After three games, what are your thoughts on that offensive line play? There's still work to do. And even on the right side of that line, I think Eric Magnuson has graded out pretty well, in fact, better than anybody at the right side of the line in each of the games that he's played at right tackle. So Kalis has been better. Uh, I think Mason Cole has really kind of lived up to the billing at center and really come a long way there. Still has some room for improvement, but he's going to continue to get better and better. That left side of the line, is where you kind of have some question marks. Ben Braden's been injured, fifth-year senior, has had a back problem, so he's been rotating there with Ben Bredesen, the true freshman. Would not surprise me at all to see Bredesen move into that starting lineup as the Big Ten season progresses because uh, there's just not that much drop-off there, if any, and if Braden's struggling with that back problem and Bredesen is the future, then uh, they might choose to go with him. So, And then we got to see a little bit more of Grant Newsom at left tackle, too. He's got the prototypical size. He's got the footwork. He can get down the field. But, again, uh, he's only started a few games, three games there now, and you're going to see improvement there. But you're going to see some defenses in the next few weeks that really bring it. Wisconsin's going to bring it. You're going to see Michigan State bring it. I don't think Penn State's as big a a problem as as those other two schools. But these guys are going to have to prove themselves against much better athletes and better schemes. We've seen it with Michigan State several times where quarterbacks have been completely rattled and taken out of their games by their defensive scheme and bringing blitzing all the time. So it's going to be tough. Uh, I think uh, they're going to have to improve dramatically here in the next couple of weeks. They haven't been as good as you hope they would be in terms of getting pushed up front either. Um, last week against the against UCF, they were stacking the box of safeties. You didn't see it as much against Colorado, and they still weren't able to move the ball on the ground as well as they'd like to. So need some room. For, there's some room for improvement there, definitely. Definitely room for improvement there. And, you know, after watching it, you're right. Colorado did not stack the box uh, like UCF did the week before. And it makes me wonder. I, I know we weren't getting a lot of push, but then you say, is it some on the offensive line, some on the backs? Uh, we've seen three running backs get carries. It's hard to tell from watching through the first three games. Is that a part of the problem? And I think it is. I think it goes hand in hand. And you'd like your backs to have that great vision. There are three or four plays every game where you can look at it and stop the DVR and say, wow, if he'd cut back left, the guy's going to, you know, he's scoring a touchdown. Ty Isaac in week one or two had a play that he went right for four yards. If he'd cut left, you know, he's probably still running. So, uh, and I asked Tyrone Wheatley about that. The running backs coach last week, he said, well, he said, I have high expectations. He said, are you implying that 
they weren't hitting the holes last year. And I said, well, I said, based on your expectations, you tell me. And he said, well, there's room for improvement. And he said, there's uh, there's always going to be high expectations here, and I'm always going to have those high expectations. So, But I think uh, I think with Devion Smith, he kind of is what he is at this point, the senior uh is uh, you know he he's going to get you those extra yards when there isn't a hole at times he's going to miss a hole but uh, we haven't seen that one dynamic running back like uh, and it's it's easy to say with the vision of a Mike Hart for example because he was a special back but one guy that's always going to pick find the right hole and and fall forward and get those few extra yards so still think we're waiting to see that out of these backs. Drake Johnson, any more word on what exactly is wrong with him? Uh, we've heard, again, it might be another knee injury. Uh, and, you know, of course, he got run over by a forklift yeah, in the yeah. summer, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, so we haven't heard a timetable for his return. You hope that he can come back and play soon because this kid's been through everything now. Two yeah. knee injuries and getting run over by a forklift. Now we're hearing that maybe he tweaked a knee again. So uh, it would be great to get him back because I, of all the backs, I do think he has as good a vision as anybody, and he's one of the leaders back there. So well, hopefully we'll see him in the next couple of weeks. I think they could use him. Well, you know, fans want the offense to be productive from the get-go, um, but as expected, this is really is, after three games, we're learning very much a work in progress, isn't it? It is, and it's good to say that about a team that's averaging 50 points per game, you know, and part of that is due to the schedule, obviously. Um, but if you look around, Hawaii isn't uh, isn't the god-awful worst team in the, in the nation. They're playing team stuff. Um, UCF took Maryland to double overtime last week, so that's not a complete dog team. Maryland's an improved team under DJ Durkin. Uh, so, uh, and Colorado, I think, is going to be pretty good. But, of course, he scored 14 points on special teams and defense in that game and uh, left some points out there, too, in the kicking game. Kenny Allen in the kicking game was off, and they would have had six more points there. But, um, but again, it's gonna, it's only going to get tougher sledding. You're going to be playing defensive lines that are going to be bringing it, and they're going to have to find ways to score, and they're going to have to rely on their defense a little bit more. And that's one thing when they get some of these All-Americans back, when you get Jordan Lewis back, Taco Charlton, and Brian Monet, you're talking, you're going from a very good defense to an elite defense, in my opinion, which we saw in the opener with Hawaii. Yes, it was just Hawaii, but you saw a complete domination at the line of scrimmage and a team that couldn't do anything in Hawaii moving the ball. So I think you're going to see more of that when these, some of these guys get back in the lineup as well. Uh, a cover corner like Jordan Lewis makes a huge difference on a defense. We saw it in 1997 with Charles Woodson. Not saying that Jordan Lewis is Charles Woodson, but he's an All-American. Going to make a huge difference when he comes back. We think he'll be back either this week or the following. Uh, with us on our game day segment this week, as we wrap up on Colorado and look ahead to Penn State, is the uh, senior editor at the Wolverine.com, Chris Ballas. Chris, over on uh, the D, besides Jabril being absolutely everywhere on Saturday, another solid performance from young Rashawn Gary, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think you're going to see him in the starting lineup. It was great to see them move him over to the weak side. Chase Winovich had been struggling. Now, he's given them some good moments, the redshirt sophomore, but you've got a kid in Rashawn Gary now who runs like a linebacker. We saw him chasing a a quarterback. I'm sure you saw the play on Saturday, too, where you're thinking, who's that big guy running like a deer chasing the quarterback, and it was Rashawn Gary. He's a freak of nature. I think you're going to see him in the starting lineup with, uh, I think Taco Charlton will be back. So I think you'll see those guys at the ends, and I think you'll see them maybe shift Wormley, Chris Wormley inside. And with Ryan Glasgow, that gives you a formidable, more than formidable front four 
and you got to pick your poison when it comes to who you're going to double team in terms of pass blocking. So um, that's a kid that has earned his way, in my opinion, into the starting lineup. 1.5 tackles for loss and a couple of hurries. Got his hand on, on a ball or on the quarterback's arm last week and forced a bad throw. So this is a kid that I think next year is an All-America candidate and one of those once-in-a-10-year in talents on the defensive line where eventually you're going to see him playing on Sundays and playing at a high level. So enjoy him while you can, but kid is a budding star and, and certainly living up to the hype as the number one recruit nationally. With each opposing uh, game or each opposing team, we're able to see where a defense, uh, where our defense might have some issues and opposing teams, uh, offensive coordinators are going to start attacking that. Is the middle of the field, the safety play a concern right now? Absolutely. You cannot let players behind you at safety. And we saw it three times against Colorado. But really the big one was the 70-yarder earlier in the second half. you got a quarterback that can't run. He's going to stand there, and you know he's going to heave it. And uh, Delano Hill, not to pick on him, uh, the senior let let the kid behind him for a 70-yard touchdown, and that cannot happen. Uh, that is a that is an absolutely demoralizing play. And, again, you, you're asking these safeties because of the lack of depth at the, at the corner and safety position with Jordan Lewis out to cover some guys that might not have to in the future. And you saw it tighten up a little bit after that. And in the second quarter, to be honest, it was 21-7 in the first quarter. They only allowed 37 uh, yards, I think, total in the second quarter until that one big play they were doing just fine. But those are the plays that you can do everything right on 15 plays, but if on the 16th play you let up a big play, it's just the same, and you can't do it. So, uh, But I think you'll see that be a point of emphasis this week, and you got to give Colorado credit. Their quarterback, Sefu Lufau, was uh, fantastic. Now, this is a kid a kid that they're not going to face many better quarterbacks than him this year, and so knocking him out of the game, getting the pressure on him was absolutely huge. you got to give some credit to the receivers, too. A lot of speed out there, speed that they might not see for a few more weeks or uh, for much at all this year until they play Ohio State. So um, you got to give them credit as well. But at the same time, you got to shore some things up and make sure that if you're going to play aggressively, that you don't give up the big chunks of yardage like you gave up last week. Props to Seth Alufa. That kid is as good a looking quarterback with throwing as nice a ball as I've seen in a long time. Right on the money. And Jim Harbaugh said it. He said the kid set 70 records or whatever at uh, Colorado. The kid is fantastic. Uh, it was really kind of, I felt bad for him, honestly, to not be able to finish what he'd started there. But he was taking a pounding, too. That Michigan defensive line had ramped it up, especially when Rashawn Geary got in there. They were hitting him every other play, and you could tell that he was just taking a pounding. But, you know, that's part of football, and uh, and it happens. And uh, they didn't have an adequate backup. And you could tell after he went out of that game that that game was pretty much over, especially when you broke Peppers returned that punt, there was no way that Colorado was going to be able to come back and, and score 17 points. No, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Well, we've seen this defense through three games. The expectations were high through the roof uh, before the season started. So now after three games, Chris, do you still look at this defense? And, and we talked about it getting healthier here in the next couple of weeks. Is it a defense that can still carry this team the entire season? Without question. I don't have any doubt about it, especially when you get some of these players back. You're going to have a dominant defensive line. When you've got Brian Monet and Ryan Glasgow in there in the middle, you've got a couple of guys that they just can't move who are technically sound, uh, absolute monsters. And then you've got your edge rushers and Gary and Charlton. Uh, don't even, you know, not even to, not to mention formally, uh, you've, you've got guys that are going to make things tough up front for teams to run. They're going to make them one-dimensional, and it's going to happen again. So I think they're they're more than uh, they're more than capable. And again, you got to get all your guys back. 
But linebackers have been solid. There's still some room for improvement there. Again, the safety position is is kind of the concern. But really, the cornerbacks have been uh, have been really good in Lewis' absence. Uh, you look at uh, Jeremy Clark and Channing Stribling have been playing well. Brandon Watson had a tougher game on Saturday, but he was actually pretty good in the second game. So, and again, you're not going to see the kind of skill position players that you saw for another few weeks. Michigan State's got a few, and. Uh, uh, but other than uh, you can say whatever you want about Colorado, uh, they've got some great skill position players, and that was a, a big test for those guys. I don't think there's any question that this defense can be everything that we thought it would be and that those guys will be able to rise up and carry this team. Well, Penn State comes into town this week for the Big Ten opener, 2-1 and one record. I saw the uh, some of the Temple game, all of the Kent State game. Not overly impressive to me so far. Um, on offense, Trace McSorley, nice arms, has some good wheels. Got some big weapons at the uh, the wideouts that will challenge at the secondary, though, Chris. Yeah, and Saquon Barkley's been hurt uh, at running back. This kid's pretty special. So at the same time, defensively, they're not what they were. Gave up 42 points to Pitt. And I don't think this is the challenge, honestly, that a Colorado was. Um, this is going to be, uh, I think this is a, I think Michigan's a 16-point favorite. Uh, if he had it to do over again, maybe Colorado, you would have been favored by, you know, 15 or 16 points. But uh, I really See, don't see this as a huge challenge. I think Michigan uh, comes to play in the, in the Big Ten opener. I think that, again, getting a few guys back on defense, we expect Tackle Charlton to get back, and um, we expect Jordan Lewis possibly to get back in there. I think that Penn State's offensive line is going to have trouble just like they did last year with Michigan's defensive line, and that's where it all starts. They get pressure up there up front. It's going to make it, uh, it harder for their passing game. So uh, I expect Michigan to win this one comfortably uh, by at least a couple touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns, and then you set up the big battle the following week against Wisconsin. That's when we find out what this team is really made of. Yeah, absolutely. But with Penn State this week, um, I saw the Kent State game. This offensive line made up of uh, some very highly regarded recruits got pushed all over the field by Kent State, and they were having a lot of problems uh, with Temple on Saturday. They have their problems up front, don't they? Yeah, they do, and that's where it starts. Remember Taco Charlton in the game last year? I think he had three tackles for loss and a couple sacks, and uh, they couldn't do anything with him. That was kind of his breakout game, and you saw Michigan's line in that backfield all game. We knew in the offseason, and <clears throat> speaking to people in Happy Valley, that are close to the program, that that was the area of focus and that was the area of biggest concern. And you're absolutely right. Those guys get pushed around. And if they're getting pushed around by the MAC teams, the Kent States and, and then the Temples, then you're looking at, uh, at a big-time problem when you're playing a team like Michigan. So it's going to be really hard for them to move the ball. I expect a lot of negative down-and-distance situations for them. I think that Michigan is uh, is their biggest challenge to date, obviously, and I don't see – any way that they move the ball like Colorado did. I just think it's right there set up for Michigan to really dominate on defense. Well, over on the defensive side for Penn State, this is not a vintage uh, Nittany Lion defense. They've had a lot of injuries, to be fair, so far this season, Chris, and uh, everyone is run on them. So another opportunity for this Michigan line to get some confidence and show some progress. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd like to see it between the tackles because right now they're doing it a lot with the jet sweeps. And, and it's great. You have a pitch out to Devion Smith for a 42-yard touchdown. And uh, the jet sweeps with Eddie McDoom, J.U. Chesson, if, you can, if it's there and you can take it, that's great. But you'd like to be able to see him grind it out to like the Michigan lines of old and say, okay, we're going to go through the tackles, between the tackles for five, six yards on first down set up great and favorable second down situations where they don't know what's coming. And we haven't seen that yet. Honestly, we saw it against Hawaii and obviously Hawaii's not on par with, 
with either of the other two teams on the schedule. So, um, but you want to see more consistency and less zero yard plays and one yard plays where you're you're seeing the, the crisp combo blocks from the from the guys up front and maybe not one guy missing an assignment, which is what we've seen too much of here in the first three two three weeks. So, um, this is an opportunity, like you said, and it would be a good time now to really get that line set. Who are the five that you're going to go with? We've seen a rotation with Braden and Ben Bredesen at left guard. You'd like to see five guys get up there that are going to be playing together for the rest of the year and really start developing that cohesion that you need to be that kind of an offense. So I think you're always going to have at least a a good offensive team because you've got such brilliant play callers with Jed Fish and Jim Harbaugh and Tim Dravnell. But you'd really like to see them be able to control the ball too by blowing people off the ball, something that we haven't seen yet. Well, a closing thought on Penn State. They've recruited very well under James Franklin. They're having, uh, at least right now, what looks to be another very impressive recruiting season. So they have players and they have more coming. Is this a pivotal year, a hot seat year for him? You know, I would think so. Uh, at the same time, the more you turn it over and start over, uh, you know, the less the less likely you are to get it back. And uh, I think, um, you know, he'll be... I think he'll be given every chance to succeed. I don't think there's any question about that. They don't want to have to start over again. But uh, there's been so much unrest in Happy Valley over the last five years, as you know, that mm-hmm. um, that having that cohesion and that just that stability uh, would be good for them. But he hasn't shown me anything to, to prove that he's a top-tier Big Ten coach at this point, and he's got a long way to go. So I don't see from this team, I don't, see anything that uh, indicates that they're going to compete in the Big Ten. I think this is uh, probably probably the fourth best team in the Big Ten East if they're, you know, and, and that's not saying much. You've got three guys, three teams at the top, obviously, and then you're battling for that fourth position with uh, Rutgers and Maryland. So um, I don't know. I just think that uh, I just think that they had higher expectations of him. And granted, they had their recruiting problems because of the scholarships being cut. But uh, you expect Penn State to, to be a blue blood program and to play that way and to act like that. And we haven't seen that from them under Franklin so far. No, we have not. And before we let you get out of here, Chris, just a, a couple of things from uh, an interesting week around the Big Ten. Uh, one of the uh, items uh, sitting there in the big house on Saturday that shocked me was Iowa's loss to North Dakota. After uh, yeah. really a solid start, an impressive start uh, from Iowa, what a letdown that is. Yeah, and, and give credit to North Dakota State. They are a, a great program in their own right, but that is not a game that you can lose at home flat out. And, the, I mean, that essentially removes you from playoff contention. If they were going to run the table in the West and play in that Big Ten championship game where they'll, they'll be a prohibitive underdog, whoever they face, uh, still you would have had an opportunity, right, to make the playoff like mm-hmm. they did last year had they beaten Michigan State. That's gone now. I mean, you're, they're going to – they are uh, – no matter what they do now, they aren't going to be in that final four. So just a heart-crushing, a heartbreaking loss for them. Um, you're seeing Wisconsin struggle with Georgia State. I'm sure you're going to bring that one up too. <laughs> it was kind of a shocker. Maybe they were moving, looking past them at their big game with Michigan State this week. But not a uh, not a great week for the Big Ten other than Michigan State and Michigan and Ohio State, obviously, uh, which looks like a juggernaut. I think uh, they just reload the way they recruit. You talk about recruiting those guys, they're going to always going to have athletes, and Urban Meyer is going to get the best out of them. So oh, I think man. it's pretty clear yeah. now. Yeah the top teams in the Big Ten. I, I expected them to maybe go into Norman and win, but they just put it to them. They did, and they looked great doing it. Again, the athletes on that field, uh, these guys, you know, they put 16 guys in the pros or whatever it was last year. You've got more guys coming up that are 
going to be playing in the NFL, and that's called recruiting, and that's why uh, that's why they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And let's uh, give props to our buddies over in East Lansing. I thought, uh, other than a bad fourth quarter uh, against a really a talented Notre Dame team that was a, a mess, I don't know why, for three quarters, Michigan yeah. State looked pretty darn good in South Bend, and I think the most impressive thing to me was that offensive line was pushing a lot of talented defensive players for Notre Dame around. Their running game was impressive. Yeah, and Notre Dame is not, let's be honest. They, they gave up 50 points to a Texas team that went out and got spanked by Cal, and uh, they had some guys missing up front. And they were gonna—they were always going to have trouble on the D-line this year. I didn't think it would be like that, though, where they just absolutely got manhandled. And that uh, reminded me really of the of the uh, game, God, it was like 1990 down there in, in South Bend when Michigan pushed them around and still lost to Rick Meyer and those guys where they just completely owned the trenches up front. And uh, credit to Sean Kaiser for coming back. Michigan State kind of kind of let up there, and uh, you got to wonder if, if there's going to be some room to, to pass the ball on them um, down the stretch. But certainly one of the surprising results, and uh, anxious to see that Michigan State-Wisconsin game this weekend to see which of those teams is really for real because uh, Michigan State struggled against Furman to come back like they did on the road like that is, uh, like you said, very impressive. Another big week in the Big Ten, of course, uh, with uh, the opener for the Wolverines against Penn State. It's going to be a lot of fun Saturday at the Big House. With us here on our game day segment as we've uh, recapped Colorado and looked ahead to Penn State, senior editor at TheWolverine.com, Chris Ballas. Chris, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and we look forward to our next visit. Hey, Mike, thank you. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap up our game day edition of The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Kids today, I'll have an injury update on Thursday's show, and by then, we might have a better idea if Jordan Lewis and Taco Charlton will be ready to go. Let's hope so. Joining me on Thursday will be the longtime voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones. Thanks again to Chris Ballas for being with us today. Chris is always a great guest, and he will be back with us later in the season. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or review us. Our free show app is available from Google Play and the iTunes Store, and we are now on the team at iHeartRadio. The Big Ten season starts in earnest on Saturday, so make sure you get one of our show apps and join us on Tuesdays for our Michigan Game Day show, then on Thursdays for the Visitor's Edition. The debut of the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about is almost here. In October, it will be in the iTunes and Google Play stores. It is designed by the team that brought us Madden Football and EA Sports College Basketball. You have never seen anything like it. An app that lets you interact with your favorite team while they are playing. For more info, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave a cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget to leave your cell number. This app will take interactive gaming to a new level. That will do it for this game day edition of the show. 
On Thursday, we'll update the injury situation and have some game day facts about this Saturday's Big Ten opener with Penn State. So please tune us in on Thursday for that. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until Thursday, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!